Hi there and welcome. Glad you're along with us. This is part two of Wayne Hunter and Wendell Van Valen on Grace. Sunday morning always rolls around. I get the feeling that I need to be found. Hello, this is Wayne and uh, we're back this week <laughs> for some reason. Not yeah. sure what. <laughs> Somehow we found ourselves. I'm Wendell. We're both pastors here at Broadway. We're talking about grace. Uh, last week we talked about it. Kind of introduced the topic of grace with uh, the the discovery that grace is not a commodity that God packs around in a bag and sprinkles out pieces here and there. But grace is actually God present with us, full on, fully invested, and. Uh, that changes a lot of what we tend to think about how we express grace and how God lives out his grace toward us. He lives it with us. So toward the close, we um, threw the idea out there that um, grace also is, it's, it's God's presence, but grace, God's presence has no ulterior, he doesn't have some kind of end game in mind. I'm going to grace this person so that we'll move from point A to point B or we can improve them or whatever. So we, we're going to chew on that a little bit today. Yeah, the, I think that that old idea in the Old Testament especially of if, if then, yeah. if we do this, then this will, ha- then this will happen. Um, and we kind of, I think, apply that to God's grace. He graces us so that. It's not if then, it's if so that and I don't think that that is the way it operates or how God operates how he relates to us he's not manipulating us or or even trying to fix us as much as he is extending his expressing his presence to us and I think it's because he has a, a confidence in his presence and its power and what it will what will happen in that um, that we can't help but be impacted or influenced um, for healing as that happens. So it's not like, and I think you talked about this last week, we're not projects that God has set before him with the goal of, you know, he has this museum of saints set up somewhere that he wants to put us in when we're perfect or fixed or whole or whatever. But it's uh, the the moments, the this moment is as important and as powerful and as sacred as any moment down the road when we might think we're more whole or or better or any of those things. But His grace is His presence with us without an ulterior motive or an an end game. Uh, He's not working towards something. I think God enjoys our presence uh, in this moment. I I think where this started to make sense to me was to move from God as a judge or God as a, as an employer or God as a teacher to uh, God as a father. When I became a parent, um, if you, th- you think about investing yourself in a, in a little child, you're fully present with the child. 
but you're not imparting any wisdom to them. You're not giving any instruction to them. You're changing their diaper or you're rocking them to sleep or whatever. And somehow just being with them is enough. It's enough for them. It's enough for you. And that moment, I don't know. It's like that, you realize that moment you can, it'll never be replicated. That is a precious, special moment. Yeah. And you know they're going to grow up, but that's not why you're doing it. You're, right. Your purpose is not, I'm rocking you so you'll grow up. Your, your presence with them is, I'm rocking you because I adore you. I love you. And the child picks that up. And it's like there, it's a, there's a whole different thing when we are proud of someone. You know, if our kids grow up and they do something that we consider good and we're proud of them, that doesn't necessarily add to that love and that sense of, you know, blessedness that we had when they were little or that we have now, that, that this relationship. I mean, there's a, a joy when we see them do well, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it it enhances that feeling of attachment, I guess. And sometimes when they don't do well, that feeling of attachment grows and becomes our, our concern for them is even sharper. And so God's grace toward us doesn't get better when we do better. God's grace, His presence in our lives, uh, you know, we, I think we do delight Him and we frustrate Him sometimes and disappoint Him and break His heart. But that doesn't, um, change that experience of grace for him uh, that he you know in, in the sense that he still feels that commitment and that attachment yeah. to us I, I kind of wonder if that's why Jesus didn't stress so strongly with his disciples toward the end um, I mean he makes the promise I'll never leave you I'm here to the end of the age but then he says of course in another uh, conversation he says it's better if I physically go away because if I do, then I'll send. I'll, I'll really be with you then. Mm-hmm. And, and so he stresses this over and over. Your behavior, which toward the end, their behavior was pretty pathetic. They, I mean, denied, betrayed, scattered. They did all kinds right. of stuff that right. yeah. <laughs> that didn't make him proud as a parent. Right. <laughs> it was like, yeah. whoops. Yeah. Although he knew that was going to happen. Yeah. But... So he knew how they were feeling about themselves. And the natural human thing is when I do good, you're here. When I don't do good, you reject right. me. So he, he like, up the, the volume. No, I'm not going anywhere. Right. In fact, I'm going to even be closer than yeah, right. I've ever been. Right. After you do these. Yeah, even after you do these right. failures and, right. and disappoint me. Yeah. So it's... it's uh, We've tried so much to make commerce out of grace and and make it God invest where he's going to get some kind of payback. Yeah. And it's it's just it's just simply not how that becomes commerce. It ceases yeah. to be grace. It's just commerce. And we always want to measure our effectiveness and we want to make sure that our lives are investments that we put them in places that get returned. And we and we think that grace is like that, that we invest it in people and we want to do it in a way that makes changes in their lives. So we have this ulterior motive that we're not really giving our presence to people, being present with them, but we're investing time or 
attention or whatever in the hopes that they will do what we think they need to yeah. do. We're seeking a, a return on our investment. Right. Yeah. We've gone straight to Wall Street, right. you know. Yeah. And so there are some places where we can invest that grace that may return more, more in our minds than other places. Yeah. I'm not sure that's how grace works. Yeah. I don't think, I think grace is who we are. It, it's an expression of our hearts. Uh, and, and so it responds to every opportunity that comes across our path. Every encounter, conversation, moment, grace is, uh, recognizes that our, you know, we hopefully get to the place where that's who we are, where we recognize that opportunity to be present with somebody and not, hey, here's a place where I can make a difference, but here's a place where I can be present. Yeah. And I think there is, though, too, some sense in which there's a, a recognition that there's a power to presence, that it's not wasted in the sense that, but it, because we do care about people and we want to uh, to grace their lives in a way that that makes their lives better, not necessarily in the way that we define that because we're not trying to change them in a particular direction as much as uh, offer the opportunity for them to experience safety and worth and value and believe that that experience is part of healing and redemption uh, and steps or movement in their life. You know, um, at least in my context, um, God's grace has, has meant more to me. God's presence has meant more to me in that the more, let's see, the more I live into his presence, the more I begin to see myself the same way he sees me. I begin to see the value and the respect and the adoration he has for me. Because when I look in the mirror, I don't pick that up. But when I hang out with him, I start to do that. So I wonder if our presence with people and gracing people is in a large part involved in helping them see themselves the way God sees them. That that's the grace that we give them. Because most people don't see themselves the way God does. And so it's, it's like you say, you're not trying to move them from point A to B. You're trying to see who they are, help them see who they are in point A. Right. You, we yeah, just want, right. you know, we're not trying to move you to another place. We're trying to right. help you get clarity as to who you are right here, right now. Right. It's like an apple on a tree. A little bitty nub of an apple is not edible yet, but it's fully an apple. You know, it's not yeah. fully developed, but it's an apple. Right. And, and and a really good apple person, person who grows apple, whatever you call that, orcharder, <laughs> whatever that is, when they go out and look at it, they rejoice over that little nub of an apple because they, they're yeah. they're so experienced, they know right. what's in that. Right. You know, yeah. somebody else goes out there and says, well, that's useless. It's not edible yet. Yeah. But somebody who knows what they're doing goes out and says, no, that's great. That apple is, that is a beautiful apple. Yeah. Yeah, so a, a large part of grace is the ability to see um, who people are and the, and the possibilities that lie within them, I guess. Not necessarily to make those, to form those, but just the possibility of this person becoming who they are already. Yeah. 
not changing them, but loosing them. Right, right. More. I mean, Jesus said, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. And part of that is knowing the truth about yourself. And when you, when, sometimes you can't discover that on your own. So when somebody sees that in you and out of grace they inform you of that, then you're free to become yeah, right. that person. Yeah. It's the truth about most, me I never knew. Right. Most people need somebody to tell them who they are. Well, because growing up, they had somebody telling them some really right. bad stuff. Right. And that's maybe that's the the garden story, is the correction of a lie, is what it, what yes. salvation's about. Yeah. The serpent lied to Eve, and it was correcting that lie that that brought her back into relationship. Yeah. It's um. What we're talking about here is it, the more you live into grace, the more you experience God's grace and the more you uh, begin to share it with others, the, the more the life absolutely becomes sacred, not in a serious reverent, reverential, if that's a word, way, but it's, it's, it's sacred in that there is no moment where God is not. There right. is no place where right. God is not. Yeah. There is no encounter where God is not. And so it's it's not like you have to be serious and take off your shoes and all that right. stuff. But just it's it's like yeah. wow, what what's going to happen now? Because when God is present, something happens. Right. It's that I think in the Old Testament there's this uh, there's this attempt to correct this idea that anything that touches what's holy makes it unholy. When the reality is anything that something that is holy touches makes that thing holy with it. Yeah. So the power is all in the holy part to be contagious uh, and so we don't have to worry about this grace in us becoming muddied because that's the only really good kind of grace there is is muddy grace that's in contact with things that are not clean that is spreading uh, its contagion to those around it man that goes <laughs> that is not a very good religious thought <laughs> that goes so contrary to so much of what organized religion does now yeah but I, I i think there's really i think maybe that's why we don't see the ch the church christianity being salt and light is because it's been salt and light separated afraid to get muddy or dirty thinking yeah. that mud or the dirty. world will dim my light right. the world will take away the flavor of my salt yeah. But the darker the place you are, the brighter your light is. Yeah. The more of a contrast there yeah, is. And the more bland the food is, the more you taste the salt. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, thanks for being a part of this conversation. The two high-quality folks you've been listening to were Wayne Hunter, the Greenwood Campus Pastor, and Wendell Van Valen, the Recovery Pastor here at Broadway United Methodist Church. Trying to live inside